Welcome to episode three of the She Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Renaud Day. I'm an author, speaker, certified coach, and master's level pastoral counselor with over a decade of experience working with women facing pornography addiction and other unwanted sexual behaviors. You can learn more about my work and the services we offer at SheRecovery.com. On this week's episode, you'll hear from Sunday Joe Graham. Sunday Joe is a thought-provoking communicator who loves to share truth with a dose of laughter. She inspires others to break free from self-destructive behaviors so they can learn to love themselves and experience lasting transformation. You can learn more about Sunday Joe at sundayjoe.com. Sunday Joe, it is so good to have you on the She Recovery Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us for a little show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to dig in. Yeah, Sunday, I've, I'm going to call you SJ from now forward um, okay. to, to be more personal. Uh, I've known you now for a long, long time. Um, I won't even try to go into the numbers because it makes me feel old, but um, known about you really since the infancy of my own ministry. I've known about your blog and your writing and your work and your story, particularly um, for as long as I've been in this realm of work. Um, and it's a story that um, really, I believe, personifies the power of God. Um, given your experiences, your healing, your redemption, and it's one that I want my listeners to hear. And so if you wouldn't mind, let's just jump right into your story and share with us your background and where you are today. The earlier the enemy can get to us, you know, I say this all the time, the earlier he can get to us, the more impact um, he has on our lives, uh, which is obviously definitely against, um, you know, the Lord's plan for our lives. But from an early, a very early age, um, you know, the enemy just kind of came in and did his thing. My parents were divorced when I was three. And so I struggled with abandonment issues from a very early age. My dad was an, an alcoholic and an addict and in and out of my life. And so uh, rejection has always been something that I have really struggled with. Um, the Lord has done a lot of amazing work in that area, but sometimes I still find myself struggling with that. But I always felt rejected like it was, you know, my fault. I did something wrong. Why, you know, if, if I could do something different, my dad would come back or my dad wouldn't drink or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, then on, on the side of my mom, you know, she was, she was in her brokenness as well, trying to be a single mom, trying to support, um, you know, her daughter. And so, um, I felt abandonment on that side, um, kind of just in a different way, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so, um, then I was, I was sexually abused as a child. Uh, by various people, people that, you know, were supposed to be safe people, people that I was, I was supposed to be able to trust. And so, you know, from, from a very early age, I um, just felt disgusting, uh, for lack of better words, um, never really felt wanted, felt like I didn't fit in. But also at the same time, I was a really great secret keeper, because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and so, you know, when they say secrets make you sick, you know, that famous saying, it's true. Um, and so from a very early age, I had this fear of men. 
and not just a not just a fear, but a hatred. Um, and um, I wasn't really sure what to do with that. Uh, so as I, as I got older, um, I was raped as a teenager, um, and you know, we turned to these coping mechanisms to try not to feel, to try to just, you know, block everything out. Um, and I've tried every coping, me- coping mechanism you can imagine, um, drugs, alcohol, food, sex, pornography, um, food and pornography were two very big things for me. Um, I was forced to watch pornography as a little girl and, uh, it forever changed my life. And, I remember being a kid and, and, and then growing up into that and still being addicted to it. And I remember just thinking something about this isn't right, but at the same time, it's like ingrained in you and you don't know how to get out of it. And um, I was also, I, w- I seemed like I was constantly exposed to it in one form or the other in my life. So as I continued to get older, that was, that was still a, a secret thing in my life. Um, and food was a not so secret thing. Uh, you know, you can't hide a food addiction. You don't have to do it in front of people, but the results show up, you know, mm-hmm. you get fatter. I mean, that's just, you know, I was, by the time I was in my uh, middle twenties, I was 330 pounds. Mm-hmm. But also as I continue to grow up and have this hatred for men um, and and this fear of, of letting them get to know me, um, you know, the enemy really used that. And when I was in my early, uh, I think it was like 18 or 19, you know, I remember I had a one night stand with this guy and I, I didn't, I could barely remember his name and, and I didn't even know his last name. And I remember waking up from that full of so much shame, just so much shame. And, and I was standing in the shower and I could not scrub the shame off of me. And I decided in that moment, I'm done with men for the rest of my life. Uh, and I decided I was going to be a lesbian. Um, and when I put my mind to something, I do it. Uh, and so I was in a same sex relationship for five years um, and it was, you know, extremely codependent and unhealthy and crazy. Uh, but it made sense for both of us at the time because I didn't have to be hurt by men. Right. I still had companionship and mm-hmm. love um, and I still got to be the protector. Right. I still got to be in control. It was jacked up. Um, and. I lived my life like that for so long, just one thing after the other, just so broken trying not to feel, trying not to deal with, with everything in my life. Um, but God, right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then Jesus, um, in 2006, um, I, uh, you know, I was still in the midst of my brokenness, but my parents, actually my mom and my stepdad had come to know the Lord. It literally took a hurricane. That's a whole nother story for another day, but, but they found Jesus and they were coming down to visit. I knew they were going to want to go to church. And uh, so my bosses had been trying to get me to go to this church forever. And finally, I was like, all right, well, my parents are going to want to go to church. We'll go to church finally, you know. So I walked into to this church and I'd never experienced anything like it. It just felt like home. And this this guy walks up to me, this Indian guy with long gray hair walks up to me and welcomes me to the church and gives me a hug. And I'm like, whoa, but, you know, you didn't hug me without permission, especially if you were a man. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking something about this feels different and feels safe. And um, so we went to that church for six months, went back every Sunday, couldn't, couldn't, every time the doors were open, I couldn't wait to go. And um, I remember watching that guy. He was the worship pastor. 
And I remember watching him up there, you know, worshiping and playing music and praying. And I mean, he would just start talking and he would cry and he was just, he was so genuine. And then I would see him at the, at the local cafe, Clockers Cafe. And he was the same guy. There was no show. There was no, he wasn't different. He was the same guy. And um, I just, I remember thinking, finally, you know, if that's what following Jesus looks like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in July of 2006, I, I just got down on my knees and, and said, you know, Jesus, I can't do this without you. And he flipped my world upside down from the moment I said that prayer. Um, what's, what's amazing is uh, Jamie, who I was in a relationship with, she found the Lord about the same time. And so here we were, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do still in this relationship. Um, but Holy Spirit, you know, and I, I, I just I remember getting convicted about everything. Like I would say, you know, the F-bomb was my favorite word. Like I barely said a sentence without it. in it. And I remember just feeling yucky inside when I'd say that word or or I'd watch pornography and I would feel so disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I would beg the Lord, help me. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I, I, at first I thought it was indigestion, but it's not indigestion and Holy spirit feel a lot alike sometimes. <laughs> and, and uh, so I just remember all of this conviction and finally one day uh, I sat in the parking lot I picked, I picked my friend Jamie up from work and sat in the parking lot of, of Target and we both got a Starbucks coffee and sat there and had to make this decision. Do we want to serve the Lord or do we want to serve ourselves, basically? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was one of the hardest things that we've ever been through. But there's this really annoying yet uh, cool thing about me that I fight for my relationships. I fight for my friendships because I've always lived so guarded that once you get into my heart, it's kind of like the mafia. You're not getting out. You know? Absolutely. Yes. And so I said, you know, we were, Jamie and I were friends. We were friends in high school. You know, we've been friends for years. And I said, we were friends before we got into this mess and we are going to be friends walking out of this. Mm. And uh, we literally went to a marriage counselor to save our friendship. Uh, pretty awkward and you know it's new for that marriage counselor she could probably write a book about it but uh, <laughs> that is God right he said I didn't know this this part of your story so I'm learning yeah, something new right he, now he says that he will restore what the locusts have eaten right he tells us yeah. that and that he will redeem the time and sometimes we have to do the work for him to be able to do that and so uh, I, I'm happy to say to this day she's my best friend I was the maid of honor at her wedding and uh, her little boy calls me, calls me Aunt SJ. Uh, so God can redeem the time. I understand. I say that with a disclaimer. I understand that that is not everybody's story coming out of a, a homosexual relationship. I understand that. Um, but God, um, in the midst of that, we find Jesus and we often think, well, everything's better now, right? Because we've given our lives to the Lord. So we're completely free. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true in a way, but in a way it's not yeah. because our soul is still burdened, right? Our soul is still in trouble because not everything about us was cleansed the day we gave our lives to Jesus. Yes, we became new creations in Christ Jesus. Yes, our, our eternity was sealed, 
but we still have to deal with the junk and we still have to let Jesus set us free. I didn't know how to do that. I had no freaking clue what I was doing. I was still broken. I was still addicted to pornography. I was, you know, all of these things. And, um, in 2009, my dad died and we had, uh, you know, we had reconciled before he died. It was the, it was one of the most amazing things uh, I've ever done in my life. I got to bring him to the Lord before he died. And the devil can never take that away, regardless of any rejection, regardless of any abandonment, regardless of any, any tears over wishing my dad were here. The enemy can never take that away. And uh, he died. So here comes all of these feelings of abandonment again, right? Like, I'm, t- I'm 24 years old and I'm a little girl and I just want my dad. Um, six months later, my grandpa died and I was also, uh, there was just so much loss. People just kept leaving, dying, leaving. And, and I just, I couldn't handle it. And finally everything, but I was super codependent, right? Like I was the queen of codependency. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of you. And then I'll have to focus on my own junk. Right. Yep. And so all of a sudden, guess what? I didn't have anybody to take care of. It's just me. And all this stuff come bubbling up from my life. And uh, I didn't know what to do about it. I was extremely depressed. I was extremely suicidal. Um, ended up getting an intervention, actually, from some friends of mine. And uh, that same worship pastor that led me to the Lord came up to me and he said, listen, I'm not your father. I'm not your grandpa. But I'm going to talk to you like I am. We love you too much to watch you stay where you are. And it's time to get some help. And uh, so kicking and screaming, I checked into a, uh, a 12 month discipleship program for women uh, overcoming anything that you can imagine, addiction, depression. Uh, I lived in a house for a year with uh, every personality you could think of. One who was struggling with alcoholism, one who was a pornography addict, one who uh, was a drug dealer, one who was a prostitute. And at the end of the day, guess what? We're all the same. Mm-hmm. And the Lord just did some some big, mighty things um, in my heart during that time and showed me for the first time in my life that I can dig up the root and allow him to heal that and that I don't have to be a victim of my past. I don't have to be a victim of my circumstances, that I can walk in victory, uh, but I can't I can't do it without him. And, and uh, he's just ever since then, he's just been been rocking my world and, and helping me, um, live out, live out freedom. Um, you know, that the journey hasn't been beautiful since then. I won't pretend like that at all, but I don't, I can't imagine how in the Jack I ever did life without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think about that's that with the, my That's the short version. You know, it, it, it's not that short because you told me things I didn't know before. So I'm, I'm glad to learn about Jamie really. And, and just the, you can tell that that's the Holy Spirit. You can tell that's God at work to be able to restore that relationship from, you know, probably even at, the, at its origins wasn't healthy. No. Then, you know, but then um, because you, neither of you were healthy at that time. Um, but then, um, and then of course, through the muck of your relationship and then being able to restore that to a friendship again, which is beautiful. I love hearing that um, story, and I'm, I'm thankful that you share that with us. Um, but towards the end there, you were talking about, I don't know how the Jack I would 
do life without Jesus. How did I do that before? And I think for me too, in the midst of my addiction, um, I became a Christian in my teen years. Um, and I would always kind of wrestle with this, you know, the, the whole idea of, of God and Jesus and all of that, especially God as a father and things like that. But at the end of the day, as much as I was struggling, I would, I would say to myself, I can't imagine not having the hope of Jesus because without it, there's too much despair. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just too much darkness. And so that, that was one of the things that kept me afloat really, or kept me alive in my own depression years is yeah. the fact that, you know, there is, there is a God. He yeah. loves me even as I am. Yeah. I mean, and, and literally, literally keeping us alive. Keeping us alive. Yeah. Cause there were some dark days and you oh, had some dark days. I oh. had some dark days. Um, but there was, there was light in the midst of it somehow Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. because of the Holy spirit, because of God. Man, he's good. He is good. Um, so I want to dig into your story a little bit further too. Um, just to see if there's anything in there that might resonate with our listeners who are wrestling with the same things. Obviously there are, um, you're not, a, you're not a one and done on these issues. Right. Um, but one of the, one of the themes throughout, you know, obviously is, is, is the feeling of disgust of shame, feeling dirty, which of course is a lot of women's stories and feelings, whether they have experienced abuse or assault or rape or abandonment from a parent or um, other kinds of trauma. How did you in, obviously I believe in the, in sanctification. So like your journey is not perfect. So Mm -hmm. there's the ebbs and flows of, of sin and life and all of that, that continue. But of course there's also the, the healing that happens ongoing um, through your journey as well. You weren't saved in 2006 and all was hunky dory and peachy keen. Um, There was, there's, there's a sanctification in that process. But can you talk to us about what do you do? What did you do with these feelings of disgust and shame? You know, once you're kind of in recovery, how, where, where did those go? Um, I talked about them. I, I shared them with safe people. You know, we get this idea that we have to keep all of this inside because we're too disgusting. And if anybody learns what we've done or who we are, they're going to be just as disgusted and they're going to walk away. And that's not always the case, especially when we have safe people in our life. And if we ask the Lord to put safe people in our life, he will answer that prayer. And so for me, it was small increments. Um, I, I had prayed for a mentor and uh, the Lord answered that prayer. And it was this woman named Jennifer. And I remember I would test her. Like I tried to push her away like a thousand times. I was an idiot. And um, I would tell her small things like, okay, well, this isn't too bad, you know, and we'll see how she reacts to it. So I would tell her something and she wouldn't react. She would be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you experienced that. I wasn't expecting that answer. Mm-hmm. And so each time I, I would tell her something a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. And she never ran away. She sat with me in that stuff. She cried with me in that stuff. She said, sorry, you know, in the midst of some of that. And um, 
what I started to learn is when you say it out loud, it loses its power. Yeah. You know, when you speak out the lies that the enemy is, is, is speaking to you, they don't have power anymore. And he hates that. And when you, when you tell people something and they don't react with disgust, um, there's a little less shame in that and a little less and a little less and a little less. That was my first step, saying it out loud. My second step was taking that shame to Jesus and saying, this, I don't want this. I don't want to carry this. And he tells us it's not ours to carry, right? He mm-hmm. tells us in Psalm 34, 5, he says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. I had to take that shame to Jesus and I had to look at him. I had to give it to him and allow him to heal it and allow him to say, this is not who you are. And this is not who I designed you to be. And this is not the plan I have for you. And I also had to understand God didn't do those things to me. God didn't want those things to happen to me. Did they happen? Yes. Why? Because he gives people free will and people do really evil things. But I learned that he did not do those things to me. And I learned that he did not want those things to happen to me. And I learned that his heart broke just as much as my heart broke Mm -hmm. in the midst of all of that. I think I got sidetracked. Sorry, I do that all the time. That's okay. Did I answer the question? No, yeah, I love that. I was just thinking, that is something I hear so, so much is, you know, the, the, the view of God gets shifted because of the things that we experience, the things that we either we have brought upon ourselves or have been pro- brought upon us. And we, and we kind of blame God and say, why did he allow that to happen? Or why did he make that happen? And is God still good? And I think that you answered that question. It's yes, God is still good. He does not desire this for you. He's also not indifferent to your pain. He cares deeply about your pain and his heart breaks just as much as yours or more probably um, yeah. about the pain that you've, you've experienced. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that, that we can do is invite Jesus into that memory. Can I, can I give you a specific example? Please. So one of the people that sexually abused me, um, it happened a lot in a tool shed and I remember one day asking the Lord to come back into that memory with me and show me where he was at. And when he did that, he was standing there in the corner and he was weeping. He was weeping with me. But then I asked him to to come into that memory and, and heal me and show me where he was at. And he picked me up out of that tool shed and he took me out of it. And then he closed the doors. But after he closed the doors, he put a two by four over the doors so that I could not get back into it. And guess what? That's what he wants to do with our lives. He doesn't want us to go back and continue to revisit the memories because once he's healed us, he's healed us. I can't go back in that door. If I choose to go back in that door, I'm walking away from everything he's healed me from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do you get to a place where uh, someone's going to hear that story and say, that sounds crazy. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, 
I don't obviously hope, hope you know that, but somebody's going to hear that story and think that sounds crazy. How do you get to that place of intimacy with God? How, how did you, how did you personally get to that place of intimacy with God? Um, I had help from people, first of all, safe people who helped me, who helped walk me through that, who helped teach me that Jesus could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it all lines up with the word of God because he's come to heal us. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I had to take a step of faith because I thought it was crazy and stupid too. <laughs> and I had to just take a step of faith and say, what do I have to lose? Maybe. Okay. I'll look crazy by asking Jesus to come into this memory. What do I have to lose? Yeah. Bitterness, anger, fear, resentment, rejection. What do I have to gain? All, all of the bad things. Yeah. Right. Right. What do I have to gain? Freedom. The, the opportunity to breathe, the opportunity to hold my head up high for the first time in my life. So it was faith. I, I'm going to do this because people I trust um, are helping me do it. And, and second of all, what do I have to lose? Man, love that. And this I can promise you, when you ask him to show up, he will show up. You, you might look crazy and you might think it's crazy. And guess what? That's okay. He's God. He can handle it. Absolutely. Let's talk deeper too into this area of, of men in your life. Um, I know from the, from the very beginning of your story, men weren't safe. Um, and that is in large part what led you into same-sex attraction issues and lesbian lifestyle and all those kinds of things is that men weren't safe. And even the, the man at church hugging you, you're like, men don't do this. Men don't hug me. Men don't touch me without permission, which they shouldn't, FYI, right, right. Um, which is a true, a true thing. Um, but that was also coming from a place of brokenness and unhealth right. um, in you. What ultimately was the journey for you of healing the view of men and beginning to trust men maybe for the first time? Um. That's a big weighted question uh, with yeah. several answers. Um, one, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things the Lord used was older men, mm-hmm. like father figures, uh, who came into my life. Ted Burden, the worship pastor, being one of those. He brought me to the Lord. He uh, helped me get into a residential discipleship program. He baptized me. Um, he, he spoke truth to me with grace. He loved me right where I was at. Um, and so it started with that. I had another man who came into my life as a mentor and a father figure. His name was Sandy Stewart. Um, and he was not afraid to speak truth to me, but he did it with grace and love. And he showed me that not all men were bad. And he showed me, um, what it was like, what it looked like to love his wife. And he didn't have to go out of his way to do it. That's how he lived his life. And, um, Interestingly enough, he and my dad were diagnosed with the same kind of cancer by the same exact doctor in the same exact week. Mm. And Sandy lived three years. My dad lived six months. And I watched Sandy fight for his life. I watched him fight with faith. I watched him never lose his faith. And even the day before he died, I visited him in the hospital. He couldn't talk, but he had a chalkboard and he wanted me to read him the Bible. And, uh, Sorry, I'm totally getting off track. But even in the midst of that, he was still making sure the nurse knew about Jesus. You know, this guy was getting ready to take his last breath. Um, And so I had an acting coach 
who was like a father figure to me, who loved me in a, in a, in a different way. And, and so I started to learn, you know, not every man is bad. Not every man is, is, is who the men were that hurt me. Um, so that, that was one aspect of it. Um, man, I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, another one was uh, the words I spoke over myself. I used to curse, you know, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? Mm-hmm. I used to curse myself all the time and say, I'm never getting married. Cause I was watch, I would watch people around me and I'm like, man, if that is what marriage looks like, I don't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. My friend Jennifer one day challenged me. I, we were, I know exactly where we were and what we were eating. We were sitting at Ruby Tuesdays eating spaghetti squash. And she said, do you realize how much you say that? I want to challenge you to stop speaking that curse over yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did. And I haven't said those words um, over myself in 10 years. Wow. So it started, it started with, um, with men. It started with, with the words that I said, but it also started with doing it afraid. Um, talking to men afraid, uh, being willing to step out and doing it afraid and knowing that the Lord would protect me. In that. So it was a, it was a, a multifaceted process, I guess you could say. How does that translate to where you are today as a single woman, you know, um, friends around, you've gotten married, even Jamie's married. Um, what does that look like for you today as a single woman? Um, some days it's fine. Some days it's really hard. Some days I struggle with loneliness mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a desire to be married, which is a miracle in itself, really. Yeah. And I have uh, spent the last couple of years writing prayers out for my future husband, praying over my future husband, praying over my future marriage. Why wait till I get in it to do that? Um, It's also hard at the same time. I live, you know, I moved back to my hometown five years ago um, as a population of 1500 people and I'm pretty much related to all of them. So, uh, you know, unless I marry my cousin or go to the bar looking for a husband, it's, it's harder. Yeah. Um, But I see the Lord working in all of that. And so it's one of those, are you going to wait for me kind of things? And in the process of that waiting, he continues to dig out stuff that needs to be healed. Um, And so it's, it's a trust. It's it's a matter of trust right now. He knows my heart. He knows I want to be married. He knows who he's got planned. And so I'm just waiting for him to tell me the next steps to take. Awesome. Well, I do know you're taking applications. I am. I am currently accepting applications for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Well, and if if there is any, if there's any wonderful eligible men listening to this podcast, just just write in, and I'll introduce <laughs> you to to SJ. Yeah. Um, but no, you are you are whole and beautiful as you are. But I do understand the desire for marriage, and um, I do pray that for you that you that you get to come into that fullness of that relationship. Soon. Yeah. I, I believe the Lord is doing something in me right now. I believe he's doing something in the heart of someone else right now. Um, And, um, you know, I, but, but it doesn't make sense to me or the world. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I'm just leaning back and learning to trust what the heck that looks like because Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. But I've also learned God does nothing in my life that is normal or makes sense. Absolutely. And I've said more times than I can count now that falling in love and getting married to my husband was the weirdest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It does not make sense. Like true love covenant relationship does not make sense, but it is 
beautiful and worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, uh, he's actually led me last week to start reading Redeeming Love again. Um, mm, yeah. Rivers, and this will be the fourth time I've read that book. And, you know, he's really been doing some stuff in my life in the last month. that's awkward and doesn't make sense. And I've cried a lot. <laughs> and, um, you know, I even I even went to some friends who I trust and said, hey, look, here's the deal. Because I knew they would tell me, nope, that's absolutely crazy. And all four of them said, mm, that sounds like it's the Lord. It totally makes sense. I already knew that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to find new friends. So, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't even make a lot of sense, but I'm just like, you know, just do it. Why, whatever you say, Lord, I'm just going to do it. It's just easier. Yeah. Just, just go with it. Yeah. Just do it. He has not stirred you wrong. That's what I always say. You can look at God's track record with your life and say, did he get you through that? Yep. Did he get you through that? Yep. Did he get you through that? Yep. Then he will do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how he is. Yeah. And I just get in my own way, you know. <laughs> I do too. Everybody does. Yeah. So let's talk about the woman who's listening right now who is struggling. She's hearing your story and she's thinking, this sounds like me. Um, what would you say to her right now in the midst of where she's at? I would say you are not who the devil is whispering in your ear that you are. Uh, learn who you are in Christ excuse me, learn who he says you are because you are valuable. You matter. God has designed you for a purpose. It is not too late to start living out the purpose that he created you for. It is not too late to be redeemed from your past. You are not too broken. You are not too dirty. You are not worthless. You are valuable. And when you start to believe that, and when you fully grasp that, and I'm preaching this to myself today, when you fully grasp that, it changes everything changes everything thank you sis jay you know i've been um i've been processing this for a minute and i'm still processing through it but you know there's the 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 story in the bible i think it's in matthew i can't remember where the woman comes up and she asked jesus to heal her daughter and you know he's testing the woman and, and basically he's you know I forget how he said it, but the, the, the gist of it is, you know, I just came to, to heal the Jews, not the Gentiles. That's not who his heart was. He was testing her in that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, she ends up saying even, even the, the dogs get scratched from the table. Right. Yeah. But take that to another level. We give our lives to Jesus. Right. And he tells us that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And I'm preaching this to myself because I need this today more than anybody else. But he says that we're new creations in Christ Jesus, right? The old is gone and the new has come. But do we live our lives like that? Or are we living our lives like we have to take scraps from the table like dogs? Because Jesus said, you are righteous, right? He calls us princesses, right? He, He tells us that, that we are going to do the same things that Jesus did. And we're going to do even greater than that, right? He tells us that we are washed white as snow, but yet we continue to sit at the table and wait for people to drop scraps like dogs. We have to make the decision. Are we going to live our lives like Jesus called us to live? Or are we going to live like we have to continue to take table scraps from the table? Because they do that does not add up in the kingdom of God. I knew you had a sermon in you. 
I knew it. I was waiting myself. I'm preaching it to myself. I need it. I need it too. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing and letting the Holy Spirit just speak through you just then, um, allowing allowing us to be a part of your journey, your own healing journey through that. Um, Because that's going to speak to a lot of hearts. I just know it. Um, So thank you. Speaking of mine. Yes, yes. Mine too. I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes. So, you know, whatever. (laughs) I'm not crying. You're crying. crying. You're crying. Yes. Um, so thank you for that, Sunday. Can we, um, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you or learn more about you or read more of what you do? Sure. Uh, you can find me all over the, the internet and the face tube and, uh, sundayjo.com, S-U-N-D-I-J-O. And then I'm on all the socials with the same, uh, the same name. So you can, you can find me there and I'd love to, I'd love to learn more about you and hang out. <laughs> Well, and she's very fun on social media. I will say, I, I, I've, 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 we've had a social media relationship from the beginning, um, but I'm, I'm hoping that our friendship can continue, can continue to grow and get deeper. Absolutely. But um, so we will link to your website in the listener notes. So those listening right now, I encourage you to check out um, Sunday Joe Graham. Everything she has to offer. She is um, not not just talking about dark issues, but you do fun things too, right? Well, yeah, we got, I mean, we've got to laugh. The Lord has a sense of humor. If he's has a sense of humor, I mean, don't you think we should, we take yeah. life seriously. We got to, we got to learn to laugh too. Absolutely. So check, check her out and learn more about her and you'll be blessed. I'm sure. And Sunday, you've of course blessed me today, but being a part of the show and just the words that you've been able to share. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for, for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the She Recovery Podcast, a resource of SheRecovery.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to share it with those who you think will enjoy it too. You can also visit SheRecovery.com slash podcast to find our listener notes for this episode, to submit listener comments or questions, support this podcast, or to learn more about sponsorship and ad opportunities. Thank you again for listening and I hope you'll join me again next week.